Warning, we get super excited in this podcast. We may even drop a few S and F words. If you don't like to hear that thing, we're sorry, but not sorry. Maybe make sure no one is around that doesn't like those kind of words because I don't even know how many times we said them. Probably a lot. Enjoy. God, I would have looked sad. I still remember like a lady looking at me and being like, are you okay, love? And I'm like, there's just a lot of cheese. They seem really boring, but they're really valuable. I still use them. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And you can watch a YouTube video on it and just copy along and like think it through. I know, we're such losers. Anyway, next. <laughs> <Wee>! <laughs> Hey, welcome to the I Made a Thing, the podcast with Rachel and Sophia. This podcast is for business owners who don't believe in cheat sheets. And today we're going to chat about decision making in small business and whether it's harder for women. Does it impact our success in business? And should we worry so much about it? So thinking about how we define decision making, the dictionary is just going to say it's the action or process of making important decisions, which is really not helpful at all. And there's lots of different models that you can look at around decision-making. Feel free to look some up. We'll link to some in the show notes. But we're more interested in the reality and what that looks like for small business owners and our own experiences with decision-making. Hopefully, we can pass on some practical tips about how you can improve your decision-making or work out a method, model, whatever you want to call it, that works for you and gives you a bit more confidence in making the right decisions. So I think an excellent place to start is some of the weird beliefs that have snuck in and that we have around decision-making, particularly for women. What sort of stuff do you hear, Rach? Well, I think I might actually subconsciously, maybe unconsciously believe this one. I think we've been taught this one as women that men make better decisions than women, particularly under stress, and that when a woman gets stressed she gets all emotional and like frazzled and doesn't know her shit. And I've been doing some research and it backs up my gut feels now that I've been in business for a while and, you know, making decisions myself. This is so not true. Both men and women are able to make decisions pretty much same, same. When they get stressed, they do make slightly different decision patterns. Um, Men actually take more risks and focus on quick wins and, you know, wanting to get the goal, achieve the shit. And women, generally speaking, try and make a slower decision and thinking about long-term goals, etc. But yeah, I think if we immediately assume that men are going to make better decisions, we're going to defer to them more. And that's definitely what I've seen in business. Yeah, I know. I mean, I've, I've heard people say, oh, women get so emotional when they try and make a decision. Oh, she's getting stressed. She can't make a decision because she's a woman you know, all this sort of absolute rot. And I mean, that too implies that emotion is a bad thing. And I'm I'm not actually convinced that emotion is a bad thing in decision-making. After all, we're human, aren't we? And we're dealing with other humans. Definitely. So yeah, throwing that out there. (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe we can have a look then, like, should we use logic or emotion when making a decision? Because again, research says that you need both and that human beings, you know, people in general, do both so again if we're assuming that men are somehow way more logical and not thinking of emotion which is not true because if they're trying to get the goal quit wings that's like the dopamine hit so that's actually quite like 
you know, lizard brain. It's not actually as logical as we think. And if we're saying a female or a woman, you know, is being more emotional and stuff and how that's bad, well, how can we say thinking about others and long-term gains and slowing down and actually thinking about the impact of our decisions is a bad thing? I'd say then I need more emotion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it is helpful to have some structure to decision-making, but that emotional piece and trusting your gut is also essential. So maybe it's about finding a balance that's right depending on your personality as well. For example, Rach and I make decisions in very different ways and we've been discussing that, discussing that quite extensively. That's based on our life experiences. That's based on our education. That's based on our experiences working with different clients, what we're interested in and what our goals are. So when you're looking at approaches decision-making, I think it is very useful to look at some pre-existing models because that's going to actually remind you about how you intuitively make decisions and maybe adjust depending on how important that decision is in your life or your business. Obviously, you're not going to run each decision through like a seven-step program each time you want to decide something, but it might help to give you confidence when you're making slightly more riskier decisions, whether that be financial risk or lifestyle risk. So can be very helpful and yet yeah, definitely need to look at both the logic and the emotion side in decision making. Rach, do you want to talk a little bit how your decision making model or approach might differ from mine and how that has impacted you in business? Does it work for you currently in any way? Like do you want to look at changing it? How is it formulated? Talk us through your approach to decision making. Well, I think a lot of people still see business and themselves like personal life differently so a lot of my clients and I know a lot of people do this they'll make decisions slightly different in business maybe less risky more risky than in their personal life I really don't see any difference with me I'm literally my business and my business is me I don't make any different decisions um, you know where it's about relationships with friends first relationships with clients I mean I might be slightly more tailored with my language but literally go through the same decision making process and I think it's actually worked really, really well for me. Um, lately, I've been spending more time thinking about like emotions and sort of using my gut a little bit more when I'm getting sort of these warning signs perhaps with... So you know, trusting your gut, do you think, more now? No, not trusting my gut, just letting myself actually sit with the emotion ah. a little bit more. I'm quite self-aware. It's one of my favorite... Um, well, it is my um, favorite value and I'm quite honest, authentic and I know myself quite well and I've had to make a lot of decisions in my life. So making decisions is a skill that I think I've cultivated very, very well. I don't stress about making decisions at all with anything. Um, and I, it's not that I just jump in. If we're going to look against stereotypes, if you know, a man is jumping to decision making, um, you know, I still spend a lot of time making the decisions that I do. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm not overly risk averse either. You back yourself. Um, sorry, I'm not like, I don't take risks. I'm very risk averse. Yeah, but I back myself. I know exactly what I can do, what I can't do when I'm pushing myself, when I want to be challenged. And so I make decisions which would seem quite quickly to others on the outside. Like, yeah, someone say, do you want to do this? I'm like, yes, no. And I've even got quicker at that um, recently. So I can make decisions in a couple of seconds that I know some of my clients would take months to make. Mm, okay. And again, that is in relation to, and like, don't be comparing yourself to either of us and how we do this, because again, I just want to remind everyone, it's based on our experience, our lifetime experience, our education, so many factors. So it's going to be different for everyone. You don't need to feel bad, great indifferent about it it's not about comparison this is just about learning from each other and, and what might work you might be you might really resonate with what Rachel's saying and 
like it might be a breath of fresh air for you because everyone else around you is like following a seven-step program of like collecting all the facts, analyzing really carefully, mulling over it for weeks on end, um, you know, going to the accountant, doing all these things. Not to say that Rach doesn't do those I do things all of too. Those things, yeah, yeah. Maybe a bit quicker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Than everyone else. Yeah, and know. then like feeling. Um, worried after they made the decision and you know all these sorts of facts. I never have buyer's remorse or decision regret like I'm gonna be bold I can't remember anything the last couple of years where I haven't where I've been like shit I made this wrong decision I did the wrong thing yeah yeah I don't know I think once I've made a decision I was like well I took a step forward now I'm gonna learn from it so instead of dwelling on a decision if I should change my mind I now look at where I am and start making decisions from my current position as opposed to reflecting back wishing I could go back because I can't. Yeah. So. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Mm-hmm. You said you're quite risk adverse in nature. So yeah. could, you know, if we were having an argument about this one, could someone argue and say, well, Rach, the reason that you're not having any buyer's remorse or issues with the decisions you're making is because they're, you're quite risk adverse and they're not risky decisions? No. I would completely disagree with that. I still make a lot of risky decisions, but I'm not, again, the stereotype where... You know, like I don't just wake up one morning and be like, I'm going to quit my job and start a business or I'm just going to drop like 10K on this program or I don't know. I'm like, going to become like a, uh, what are they called? Like hide out in the bush somewhere. Oh. What's it called? Uh, um, what are they called? Are they talking about like a legit person? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's people that like sell all their belongings. And oh. A hermit. Hermit. <laughs> God, I love that. No, no. But then I have the goals and strategy. And like I said, if we go looking back at like ethics and values and past experiences, etc., I have Your all purpose. of that. Your purpose. Purpose. <laughs> um, I, I have all of that. And yeah, so as an example, I wanted to switch my business to focus more on women, to have different, um, you know, products and services. And I really sort of worked on my purpose. I gave myself eight months to do that. And I think that's a reasonable amount of time. And each of those stages, you know, like Mm. I had conflict within myself and I still struggle, but I do all those things. And then when I made a decision to do new packages, I didn't go back and change my decision. I didn't go back and try and like tinker with it. I just accepted that's what I wanted to do. And I was like, I'm going to test this out now. Yeah. And I remember you actually having a chat to me about it. So it's not like you were doing all of this just in your own head. You were talking to people about it. You're bouncing ideas off people like, what do you think? Is this the right fit for me, my business? Are there any risks that I haven't thought of, for example? Yeah, and I hired business coaches. So three of them, like to give me combined um, brain power. So shout out to them, amazing women. Link in the show notes. But um, yeah, like, so I guess, you know, decision-making also looks different on the outside to inside. So people might be like, whoa, you know, check my website a week later. I'm like, Rachel, you're doing a whole new bunch of stuff. It's like, I was doing this forever, like, you know, and I've already moved on um, to the next thing. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing because I know it was quite hard for you to maybe break that down when it happens quite intuitively now for you. Yeah, definitely. What about you? Like, do you make decisions separately to your business to save you more like, you know, take more risk in your business and less in your personal life or you're like same, same? Uh, whew. Yeah, I don't know yet on that one because I think it's I've had a big I think I would be slightly more separated than yourself mm. and particularly because it's newer. Like you know this business is quite new. But then when I reflect on some of the decisions I've made in the last say 18 months, they've been quite risky. So that is very much linked to a personal state of mind. 
you know, if I was being a very rational business sort of person, I probably wouldn't have done some of those things. But I, in the end, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do it and make it happen. So, but then again, like if I think back about what was the decision-making process around that, mm. you know, I talked to you, I talked to my family, I talked to other professionals, I did heaps of research, I weighed up different options, you know, I worked out the cost of doing all these things, I tried to figure out how much money I was going to, you know, like you think sometimes that you make these decisions in the moment, but then you actually don't. No. And so I think that's the key um, with the work that I do for my business that I've already thought about a lot of these things. Clearly I'm an overthinker and I have, don't have a life. I'm at home just thinking all these scenarios, but I think all this stuff. So when I'm presented with different opportunities or, a, you know, have an idea or a gut feel or want to change something like, you know, a circumstance or a client makes me rethink things. I'm, I feel like I'm already halfway there. Like I've already figured out a lot of stuff. And so then it's just like an add-on. So it's like I'm halfway up the decision ladder and I just add on the little bits I need and then can make a decision quickly where I know a lot of clients and friends, anything is presented to them. And, you know, like I said, you don't have to follow the seven-step program, but I feel like they start at the, the very start of yeah. those steps yeah. where I don't feel like I often start at those or I must whiz through them. Yeah, I mean, if we want to get back to like competitive advantage and all, you know, the stuff I love... If you've already got your, if you're clear on your purpose and you're clear on your goals, which again can be flexible, go back mm. and listen to those podcasts if you haven't already, then you're going to be so far ahead and it's such an advantage to make decisions, which is again going to mean you're going to be flexible and able to react to situations in your business. So if an opportunity pops up, you're going to be able to make a really great decision on that because you're already pretty much ready to go. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I have all of that work and God did hope so after like eight years, but you know, that's why I did take longer than I ever have to, to change the direction of my business because I realized I need to do a lot more work and I had to build up those foundations again. So that's why it did take so long to make all of those changes that then were reflected externally. But yeah, like for people like, oh yeah, it's just switched in a day. I'm like, uh. So I think it's also important if we are talking to others or Perhaps, again, like we've talked about in other pods, comparing other people's decision-making processes externally, we have to also remember that a lot of work is being done behind the scenes and it would actually be in your best interests, not just copy what you think people are doing externally all the time. You know, they're suddenly jumping on a fad or they're talking about some new goal. You know, it's not the, was it seven figure, isn't it? Like eight figure now or Mm. six figure. I can't keep up. It's some stupid figure now we've all jumped on that everyone's talking about. If you've got, if you want to take on that goal yourself, and you're thinking, you know, then I'll just follow these other models and keep making decisions because someone tells you to, I think that's when you can have a lot of trouble because you're not actually understanding the internal processes they've yeah. gone to make that decision for them. Yeah. So that is a definite sign of some poor decision-making going on. What other things do you see in your work, particularly in your business coaching work, of perhaps poor decision-making or, uh, you know, that back that hard work in the background hasn't been done and someone's just jumping into something maybe a bit too quickly or without giving it, you know, I don't want to say quickly actually because I feel like it's not necessarily a time no. thing. It's it's actually that those factors. So, yeah, some examples that you've seen. I think it happens in corporate too with my corporate clients, but if we're just going to focus here on women in business and my female business clients, I think it is like what you said, it's the lack of confidence and clarity. So first I want to tackle confidence. And I think, again, this comes back to perhaps weird beliefs because we believe men are better sometimes in these leadership decisions 
to make these bigger decisions, we often defer to them. Therefore, we kind of give them our decision-making power, which has its own issues, but also we're talking off-air. Perhaps this is actually stopping us learning our decision-making processes because I've had to do it for such a young age. Like, I'm not joking when I say, like, two years old. Mm. You know, like taking care of my brother. So I've always had to do these things. But, I, you know, I've met friends that their parents do a lot for them, you know, partners. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I totally defer to my partner for, like, everything. But I think we're not practicing enough. So there's mm. that confidence piece. So they want to defer to me. And I'm like, I can't actually make these decisions for you. I can help give you slight confidence and clarity. But you need to make the decisions for yourself. And they don't want to. And they defer to me to the point where I say, I can't help you. Yeah. You might actually need to go tackle this in some other way because the mind blocks and mindset things I can't overcome for you that's not my job and the other part I think around clarity I believe you get clarity through doing hence what I said before I'll make a decision it could be a good or bad you know result for me I'm not going to say good or bad decision good or bad result and then I'll look at from where I'm currently at and what I've learned and then I'll make another decision but a lot of people, perhaps because of the confidence part, then don't want to do anything and then they can't get clarity. So they sit in the same spot for a very, very long time, mm. kind of in their own heads. Like, I don't know if I should do this. I need to figure this out first, but I don't know if I should do this. And that's what I see. And actually, to be honest, makes me very frustrated because I do want to help these women achieve all of the amazing things I know they can do. And on a personal note, it frustrates me because I just don't understand that process. I don't understand that lack of confidence. Mm, Yeah. I mean, I do. And I can come from that, maybe that other perspective. And particularly, you know, I've suffered a lot from, I don't suffer the right way, but I'm definitely prone to fear and find that that can be quite limiting. And that obviously translates through personal life and into your business and learning that, you know what and this comes back to the definition of success you know if we're scared of failure then okay we have to look at our definition of success and actually start there before we you know that becomes part of that groundwork around goals purpose etc is defining okay well if i've got this goal when do i say it's successful or not do i say it's only successful if i make a thousand dollars from this particular you know product or service or a million whatever you know cash amount or is it successful if i learn something or is it successful if I meet some great people? Is it successful if, you know, if I lose my way but I grow as a person and I'm happier as a result of that and I discover something new about myself, that learning piece again? So I think you, yes, yes, yes to yeah, all yeah, of that. I was sorry, like, I'm just like no, thinking out loud a bit there. but I think they're all good goals and that's – if I'm going to talk about my decision-making process – I have all of those goals. I have very metric ones and I have very like feeling ones and then I have personal growth ones. Yeah. And so I think yes to all of the stuff you said, that is still success and that would still show me positive decision-making and moving forward in business. Yeah. Again, though, of course, it's okay to like fail and be upset about that. Oh, hell yeah. Like We don't have to spin everything to be positive all the time. Oh, God, no. You're allowed to feel things (laughs) in your business as well. Yeah, like I said, when I'm saying I make decisions quickly and then go from point, I'm not saying that I make perfect decisions all the time. That is uh, not the case. It's impossible. Yeah, but I think it's important to, yeah, have those metrics because then I know when I've made that step forward and perhaps it hasn't taken me to quite the same place. I can be like, oh, well, I achieved this or learned this and that hasn't worked next and then I move yeah. forward again but without that again a lot of my clients um which you probably see too so yeah. in your business 
are then taking a step forward and are looking around and being like, I'm not sure if here's the right spot. I'm not sure where to go next. And then they might actually, I suppose, we go back to these weird beliefs and poor decision-making and how it holds women back, perhaps, is then looking around and being like, I don't know how to evaluate this or I don't know if I've done a good job. I might just stay where I am because the whole process, let's talk about the whole process of making decision decisions is tiring, emotional and physically um, like draining too, yeah, and can affect some of our relationships and the way we show up. So I think for me, a lot of women are doing that and not actually seeing the value of doing any sort of decision making and so deciding to stay where they are because that's safer and our brain actually rewards us for doing that. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see us switch it a bit, remove some of this fear, um, change the way we look at success to again reduce the fear about making decisions. Uh, But I think we should be talking about uh, decision-making fatigue too because we know that if you've been in more of a traditional career where maybe you haven't had to make... uh, I mean, I know you're making decisions, but we're talking about decisions that you're actually fully 100% accountable for. There is no one there that you can blame. There is no one there that you can defer to. You know, unless you've got a business partner or whatever, but if it's just you, it is just you. And I'm not sure people are getting enough practice at that before they then start their own business. And then when you're starting your own business, and this is something I even struggled with, you're making, what, hundreds of decisions in the first few months of starting a new business. It is freaking exhausting. So tiring. So I did some Google searching. I was like, how many decisions we make a day? And suppose we make over 30,000 decisions a day. And with our business, like, whoa, (laughs) just imagine all of those on you. I mean, they're little things from like, do I watch Netflix? Do I say yes and keep watching an episode to what do I cook for tea? Should I walk my dog? All the way through to, should I pay for this program? Should I like write this Instagram post? Should I hire an accountant? Should I invest in this? And I know that I certainly, a couple years in, experienced decision fatigue to the point that um, it was at Woolworths and my partner's like, do you want to choose a cheese for the pizza? And he was trying to cook me like this nice meal. I love pizza. And I stood there at the aisle and there were so many different cheeses to choose from. I started crying. I started crying. I couldn't choose the, the cheese from my pizza. I know I'm laughing. God, I would have looked sad. I still remember like a lady looking at me and being like, are you okay, love? And I'm like, there's just a lot of cheese. And she's like, there is. And I was like, <laughs> and I said, came over and he's like, are you okay? I'm like, I can't choose the cheese. And he's just like, holy shit. Can we get that on a t-shirt for you? <laughs> I can't choose the cheese. <laughs> Please, can we? That's how bad I got though. Yeah. Literally, I was. Oh, like, I can totally relate to that one. Far <sighs> out. And just ever had those moments? So many. So many. I mean, now still, you know, and you're just brain dead. You're exhausted Mm. and you just flop in front of the TV or you flop into bed and you're like, what the hell? Like, how did, where did the day go? Yeah. Um, You know, trying to think of what to cook for dinner is absolutely exhausting. I'm sure if you have kids, it's just like phenomenal. I I couldn't even do that. Yeah. I just, I can't. Yeah, it's it's so full on and I don't think people talk about it enough. No, and I think, you know, if, again, research shows us this, but decision fatigue, like I'm laughing about not being able to choose cheese for my pizza. It's a really good pizza, by the way, but... It's making me hungry. I know, but I should never have got to that spot. Like, can you imagine the decision I made five minutes before or the decision two days before? Yeah. How each time I'm making a decision, my brain power and the energy all the decisions after that are slightly less of quality for lack of a better term down and down and down. So if you're making 
15 to 20 types of decisions for your business on the daily, you know, by the time you get to 5 p.m. or perhaps, mm. you know, you do most of your work in the morning, whatever works for you, those final decisions should not be, in my opinion, make or break decisions for your business, which is why I often say sleep on it yeah. because you just can't, like, you shouldn't be making those types of decisions yeah. in that kind of state. Totally. I know other entrepreneurs talk about this and I would totally agree. I think one to two hard decisions a day is plenty. Do not uh, try and solve your business woes or create amazing things overnight. You need time to think through and plan and rest your body and your brain so that you are making quality decisions uh, decisions and giving yourself time to actually get second opinions too because that mm. is going to take time you can't expect people to come back to you overnight if they're the right people you know if you have to engage a lawyer an accountant or a business coach whoever it might be they're going to need time to think it over too you don't want to be rushing them to get back to you you don't want to be putting them under pressure so make sure you're giving yourself enough time and plan ahead for all these important decisions And even if it's reaching out to someone and saying, look, I think I need to make a decision about this, but I'm not sure. Like, yeah, because you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes that's the worst, worst sort of decision. You're like, oh, I feel like I should be doing more on this. Yeah, that's true. I often um, defer now and ask for advice. To be honest, the reason why I was crying at Woolworths um, was because I probably wasn't asking other people enough like I've always relied on myself and had to rely on only myself to make decisions so it is my default yeah I'll happily now you could give me any crazy decision in the world and I'll do my own research gut feels and I would make a decision and stand there confident but then I realized that I didn't actually have to do all of these things alone I still have to eventually it's up to me to decide yeah so going back to my clients who want me to decide for them I cannot but you know hiring a business coach was a big step for me I did a few leadership programs Um, started asking friends I think you do need to be mindful of the person you're asking though because sometimes they can have their own values decision making processes yeah that might not relate to you but just saying to someone even like can I just talk this through I don't necessarily need you to give me an answer but I think that actually for a lot of women I know for me again I get quite a lot of clarity through speaking through problems so I had a few friends I was like can you just listen to me for five minutes And tell me like my body language, tell me the way I'm sounding. And I had a few friends say, oh, Rachel, you don't sound very sure. Or you sound totally confident. You always sound like this when you... Or you sound excited. Yeah, when I sound excited and stuff like that. And they'll tell me to do it. If I sounded tired or upset or whatever, they'd say, Rach, maybe sleep on it. Mm. And that's all I needed from them. Yeah, like I didn't actually need them or want them to tell me what to do. I just needed them to listen to me. So I think that's also a nice thing that we can think about. Because again, with... I think decision-making, we do think we need to have movement action straight away. And even though I make decisions quite quick, like I said, you know, sleeping on it is a really good tip. Amazing. I also really like what the business, like the decision-making models give us in terms of that helping hand when we have to make those hard decisions again. So, don't feel like you're like some weird academic having a look at them. Treat them as a bit of a checklist and make sure you're doing that work before you talk to someone as well. So don't rock up to say a business coach having done absolutely no work on it. You, you know, you're probably going to turn up really stressed and flustered. Don't use it as an excuse to not put in any effort to, to that decision. You want to ask for help, but they can only help you so much. And there is nothing worse. And both Rach and I would have experienced 
have experienced this is where we have a client rock up they've done no prep whatsoever they turn up flustered and upset and of course we're still going to help them but they're not going to get their value from that time with us so you still need to put the effort in if you're ever unsure about what that effort should be again have a look at some of those decision making models it's probably going to ask you to research the topics but ask someone too. ask us hey guys like what prep should i be doing for this sort of decision yeah and can you actually run through like one of the decision-making models do you or like off the top of your head can you remember a few steps that we should take because you know off air i was like i just make decisions i don't follow any model and you're like uh <laughs> pretty sure you do all human beings do it and i'm like what so yeah can you yeah. run them through because i like i said yeah clearly don't think i follow a model but i do yeah there's there's loads and there's like psych- psychological more based ones to business based ones to economic based ones but a really common one is the seven steps to effective decision making Love it. Number one, you want to identify the actual decision that you need to make. So it sounds really obvious, but sometimes we just get overwhelmed by all the things that we have to do. So for example, say I need to do something with my marketing. That's not the decision I need to make. No, that's very broad. It's very vague. Hell no, come back to you when you've got an action marketing decision to make. But it would be okay to me to go to you and say, look, I'm having this problem. I'm not sure what marketing thing I need to do. I think maybe it's something to do with my copy or maybe it's the way that I'm putting myself out there. So I've, I've reflected, I've given it some thought, I've narrowed it down to the sort of decision I think I need to make. Yeah, I can work with that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, number two, I'm going to gather some information. So I've probably already done that by the stage that I've come to you, I hope. Um, I've had a look at what is in, like, in my environment, internal and external, how am I feeling about this decision? Again, this is around doing some research. So maybe it's some competitor research, for example. SWOT or PEST, P-E-E-S-T. We'll put links in the show notes. You probably did them yeah. in high school and then college and then university. They seem really boring, but they're really valuable. I still use them. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And you can watch a YouTube video on it and just copy along and like think it through. I know we're such losers. Anyway, next. Party <laughs> 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 <Hi>, time. <laughs> So yeah, gather information. Okay, you're going to identify some alternatives. This is where, again, a business coach can help you, but it's good to try and brainstorm a few if you can because you want stuff that aligns to your personal values and goals as well. And someone else's ideas are great, but they might not be as representative of you as you are. Yeah, and I love that when people come and say, I was thinking about X, Y, and Z, what do you reckon? I love working from that place because sometimes yeah they might have come to a slightly different angle than me and I can workshop it and actually see if it's going to fit in so I think it's great yeah so for example with the marketing one again and Mm. maybe me putting myself out there with like a visibility strategy which I've actually in real life been working on with Rach I might say well look Rach I'm not comfortable about doing videos I would prefer for example to do a podcast or maybe some speaking events what do you think yeah I love that and lots of my clients come to me with that and that's totally workable yeah then we're going to weigh the evidence Mm-hmm. So say it's, um, let's look at some, maybe a slightly more risky decision that we might be making, like a fa- financial decision yeah, around. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe uh, speaking events, for example, I'm going to look at how much that's actually going to cost me to do, how much money I think I'm going to make. Um, will I go well or not at that? You know, what evidence, what skills do I have that would, you know, evidence either way of it going good or bad? And also, again, you want to define and look back at what you think of as your success factors or what you see as successful because what someone might see as good and bad or evidence for for and against is going to be different for everyone. So you need to be really clear, might need to go back and reflect on what your goal is from actually doing this, making this decision. Cool. You're going to make a choice. You're going to choose among the alternatives. So at some point, 
you have to say, I'm going to go with either speaking or podcasting, for example, in our example, I'm going to go with podcasting. I've decided that speaking is way too expensive and I don't have enough experience yet. And you know what? I just don't really like it. Mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> but we really in this example. love chatting to you. Uh... <laughs> Uh, and then number six, I'm actually going to take some freaking action and do it. Yep. And number seven is I'm going to review that decision. And that's a step that most people don't do enough. Agreed. And that actually can be the most powerful. And that's where you're going to build on your capability in business, build on that, hopefully develop your competitive advantage and work out, okay, what did I do really well? What did I not do so well? Again, look at your own personal success factors and goals, not what society says is right or wrong or your business buddies say it's right or wrong or yeah. I mean, cause say for example, you do a podcast and you think, Oh, I did, I spoke so well on that, but that wasn't actually technically one of your success factors. Mm-hmm. Might want to be careful about patting yourself on the back. Cause if your goal actually from that podcast was learning something new or like getting more exposure rather than like doing a really great job speaking. Yeah. And I also want to add here, we're talking very much like you do a thing or choose to do a thing and it doesn't work out for you. Like you are the only element that can affect that decision. I also want to throw out there um, this model. So it's P-E-E-S-T and it's like political, economic, something, societal, technological, probably economic. What did I say? Environment, economic. Yeah. I literally teach it at university, hence why it's in my brain. So I'm marking at the moment. But I started applying this model more so to my business because I was like, I'm teaching these things and not even doing them really. And then I started to realize that, yes, I am obviously a very, very important factor in my decision-making process. But how many of us, right, have done a fantastic Insta post and for whatever reason, say there's like a tragic event or something else happens and no one pays attention and then you repost it three weeks later a different time and it goes gangbusters. So again, we need to be thinking about our environment. Basically, that's what this model does. Because for one example, I ran a masterclass, um, you know, one of my writing workshops. Still did very, very well. But at the last moment, another large um, conference, which I totally would have attended, which my key kind of target market would have attended, um, had a really good speaker turn up and changed some of their programs, which meant some of my like attendees actually said that they couldn't come anymore. They wanted to go to this. It was like a great opportunity. And I was like, damn, I'm running my own workshop. I can't go. But again, should I have then said, oh, I can only get, you know, 12 people like I did. And I wanted like 15. Should I say that I failed and didn't do, or should I also take that into consideration? So I think my clients often don't do this enough as well, that it is very much like I made a decision. I didn't go well, or I did go well and don't actually want to open up their eyes. So we do all the, pre-research but then this evaluation um, period within the research we then to go back and see if our assumptions about our environment um, hold true so another example I used to run courses on um, volunteerism I worked in um, not-for-profit space etc volunteerism was so hot then Um, you know ran them all the time very successful I did one like a year or so ago um, and we, along with my travel course and half the amount of people came because volunteerism's not so trendy anymore. Although lots of people volu- volunteering and traveling, it's shifted a bit. So now a lot of the focus is on, you know, digital nomad lifestyle, reducing waste, all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, in some ways my workshops I think are still great. People still enjoy them, but I'm just not getting the like environmental kind of factors. It's just not as good. So, you know, I retired those. So again, I think it's really important to, to tackle this because, yeah, we've just been talking a lot about us. 
yeah, there's always going to be things outside of your control. Don't use it as a cop-out, of course, like because you can plan for a lot of stuff and you can be flexible and react to that those factors and that's obviously going to help you stay in business. But, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be things you can't control. You can't control someone's reaction to a situation, for example. That's a big one in our lives. We know that. And that's going to be the same in business and that applies across so many scenarios. You know, we're just talking in another podcast about pricing. You can't... You know, you can do all the preparation around the decision of pricing and how you're going to present, how you're going to deliver. But at the end of the day, you can't control how another human is going to react to that conversation. And have you ever had any sort of like clients where you supported them, helped them to do something, and then it really hasn't gone as well as maybe perhaps both of you have thought and you've had to sort of talk through the decision-making process? Totally. Yeah, totally. And when you're involving more and more people, obviously it's going to be more and more complicated and again, that's where articulating your decision-making process to your or your process in general to your clients is really useful if you're on the same page as setting those expectations. But yeah, sometimes you have to sit back and say, hey, I, I stuffed up. I made a mistake. My decision wasn't the right decision. What can we do? How can we fix this? How can we move forward? Or how can we just at least learn from this and you know, maybe part on good terms? But yeah, for sure, like you can't win them all. You, it, working with people is really tricky. I know we're focusing a lot on services, but you know, selling products, it's still, you're still dealing with customers. You're still going to have very similar things happening all the time. You think you've made great decisions about how you're going to market your products and put your products out there and you get zero sales and you're like, what the heck? Or you sell a heap of product and you get really bad reviews. You thought this is the best product ever. Like It applies across every kind of business that we need to have some sort of decision-making model, whether it's perfectly articulated or not that can help us in business because it is exhausting. Decision-making fatigue is a thing. So are we ready to sum up our top tips and things to look out for with decision-making? I want to ask you a question first. Sure. That, you know, you can ask back at me. And saying that then, because we've talked a lot about us as business owners making decisions, but our clients come to us for decisions. How much responsibility do I and should I have to have around the decisions that I make for their business? So as an example, you know, my contract says I'm not responsible for anything. I mean, I can literally tell you that you need to fly to the moon and back to have a successful business. And if they try and fly to the moon and back and fail, that's not my problem. So I think, you know, from the other point of view with people perhaps wanting to hire someone, which we're also mm. going to be talking about another another pod is, yeah, what do, you, what do you think about that? Because I like agonize in some ways more on my clients and yeah. the advice I give them than I do my own business. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard, isn't it? And again, this is going to depend on, you know, I have to give my little spiel if your industry is regulated and what sort of guidelines you have and all that sort of stuff. But just generally, again, you may have to have a slightly more structure in that space to cover yourself uh, from a legal perspective, from your industry's perspective. How much responsibility, though, that you take on, that's going to be up to you. It's going to be based on your values in your business. But what are you, what are you I want to know exactly. For me personally? Yeah, personally, how much are you going to take responsibility for that? Because I know you agonize and care oh, yeah. a lot about this too. Yeah, massively. And I think particularly I'm really mindful of making sure that I'm representing, you know, the accounting industry appropriately. Um, you know, business coaching isn't regulated per se, but I really think that, you know, it probably will be soon. And I just, I want to do a good job for people and make sure that 
the decisions I've made, I'm putting in enough research to them. I've got the right skills to actually make and be in a position to make that decision. Uh, if I feel that it's outside the scope of the services that I should be delivering, I'm obviously going to let that client know that I can't serve them. And it might be more appropriate for me to act as a you know a trusted advisor that actually finds someone else that they can work with. So more acting as a bit of a middle woman <laughs> to yep. yeah help them find the right advice. And that's quite often I have to say I'm really sorry. I don't actually I'm not a lawyer. I can't I can't help you with that. Uh, I can't help you with that decision. I can give you some general guidance about where to find some more information, and that's absolutely it. Um, even for certain things around you know taxation, you know there's certain things that I don't do. So. Being willing to say, no, I can't actually help you with that decision is really important. Sometimes it's really hard to do because we want to help people with everything. We want to know it all and make them happy and solve all their problems and we can't. We have to push back, whether that's an advice or skill thing or simply because they need to develop that skill and work on it and I can't solve everything for them in business. I love that. And I do all of the same things. And then I'm quite good at this, mate, because I'm a copywriter. I, um, my final thought is always, if I was this person knowing everything that they've told me, obviously I can never know absolutely anything, only what they've told me, would I do this for me? If I was them, would I do this? And if I'm still not sure, I go back and say to them, I'm not sure I need longer time, like more time or like you defer. I'll only do something and I always say to my clients because I always ask me, you know, do I do this thing? And I say, obviously, it's up to you from everything I know in your position. I would comfortably make this decision for myself. And that's as far as I go, to be honest. I never guarantee anything. So, you know, I help people get in magazines and improve their profile, do speaking events. I can't make sure that when they're on stage that they're comfortable and saying anything. So I literally don't guarantee pretty much anything i say that you will have improved awareness sales you feel more confident have more clarity you're more willing to show up and all of my clients say that they do that and you know some of those are easily definable metrics others is just kind of more emotive but yeah i never put any guarantees and when i'm asked to do guarantees i say no and often for me that's a warning sign that the client isn't right for me because you can go hire any copywriter that guarantees return and sales people good on them but often I think that comes from a very different place for how I work and how I make decisions so yeah like thanks for sharing like I just think it's interesting yeah because I know I get asked a lot to sort of you know like people saying like a hundred percent would you and I was like well no but there's no hundred percent yeah but people want that though they want that in business particularly in sales marketing process business coach maybe in something else not but I'm definitely finding um that with me and I think it's good to share how much and be honest how much we're willing to put our own names and stuff on the line yeah I mean a little saying that I a bit unrelated but I often say is if it feels a bit dodgy then it probably is and you shouldn't yep. be doing it and uh, I kind of just that's my fallback if someone asks me about something that I don't want to uh, advise them on <laughs> it's a little my little scapegoat and then I run away no <laughs> no I think that's good the same as me like would I actually do that for me and if I wouldn't do that for me then I don't know enough information or I'm probably advising them wrong or I make it clear that I would still not know what to do in this situation. Yeah. I mean, and if someone's making you feel uncomfortable, value, ethical, you can remove yourself from that situation. It does take practice and thought, but yeah, get yourself out if it's, if it's not working. You don't have to make decisions in every situation for yourself or others. You can just, yeah, go, sleep, 
I think one of our tips is even eat eat something. Yeah, I got hangry. Do not give me anything if I'm hangry. <laughs> All right, so wrapping up. Wrapping up. That was a big one. <laughs> well, why don't we should do tips? Yeah, yeah. Cool. So final tips. Okay, so I really loved, we haven't actually got this on the list, but I really love when you talked about chatting it out. I think that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, I really love that because sometimes you just need to talk it out. Yep. And it could be with anyone. I know people. some people say, oh, you shouldn't like chat it out with your family and friends. But like, if you purely don't really want their opinion. I, I don't care about their opinion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. If you just want to chat it out, that's a very different thing than going to like a business coach or an expert for assistance. So let's, yep. we'll separate those, but I think that's a great one. Yep. Um, doing a bit of research about how you make decisions and reflecting on that, I think is awesome. If you've got no idea, you can start with some of these um, decision-making models that are all over the, over the interwebs. Rach? My favorite one is to tackle the hard stuff first. Like you said, you know, I only have one thing I have to do each day and two secondary things that are nice to. And then I normally have like a personal or relationship one, see a friend, etc. So even if the others go tits up, I still saw a friend, did some exercise, ate some food, and I still feel like I've accomplished something because that's just who I am. Um, one of my other ones is reduce the amount of decisions you have to make overall. So yeah. again, you know, when you're starting out business, um, we have to make so many decisions like back to back space that out. Like I said, you know, I took like six to eight months to make a whole bunch of decisions. It's the first time ever. And I do not regret taking some more time. I made better decisions, more informed. I was calmer and I didn't put so much pressure on myself because we do that um, a lot in business. And then my other main one besides don't do anything when you're hangry is <laughs> to stick to the decisions you've made. Like you know, my, my packages, yeah. you know, you test them out and then, you know, you stick with them for a decent amount of time. So many of my clients say, oh, well, I just emailed two people and they didn't respond. So therefore I thought I wouldn't keep pitching my stories. I'm like, what? Like you made a decision to pitch a story. Like you need to do more than just a little bit. Like you need to commit to these decisions, actually see them through. And when you do that, then you'll have enough evidence research to reassess. But you know, putting a toe in the water and then jumping back out is not really decision-making in my opinion. I'm going to add to this and I'm going to flip this a little bit. I'm not disagreeing with Rach, but I think you can test things, but it has to happen in that research stage. So yeah, I, I totally agree with Rach. You need to, once you commit, you're in, but you can definitely test things and change your mind if you want to. You know, if you've made a decision and you really do think it is the wrong one and it's really inappropriate to stick with it. Oh Yeah. Then of course you can then stop. Then go from that spot. Choose yeah. something else. Yeah, yeah. Or go back to what you had before. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But I guess what Rachel's saying is, you know, you need to have realistic expectations about when you're going to see some outcomes and some success or changes from the decisions you make. Yeah, it's not like I'm hungry. Order pizza. Eat pizza. Feel better. I made the right decision to eat pizza. Business isn't, you know, twenty-five minute Uber Eats delivery style thing. It's just not. Yeah, we're after those instant dopamine hits, aren't we? We should talk about that in a in another potty, but uh, I do yeah. love those. <laughs> I think the final thing that we mentioned too that's really important to acknowledge is around the link between emotion and logic and decision making. Don't feel like you need to separate them. You're allowed to use all of you to make a decision. Yeah, and we'll like I said, we'll link to a whole bunch of research and tips in the show notes. So please as always, take a big, deep dive into those. We spend a lot of time pulling them together and we hope you enjoy them as much as we do. And if you are having trouble with any decisions or want to share 
You know, if you started crying in Woolworths like me over cheese, I would love to hear your stories so I don't feel like such a loser. So please send them in, DM us on Insta, and you never know, I might even share them in an upcoming pod or in an article. Thanks so much, everyone. Bye. Bye.